Alt Sports Talk, altsportstalk.com. I just assume Kiss and Mookie. It's a podcast about Star Wars and the New York Mets. And look at this, Jason. We're both free at the same time. I think the last three were my fault, including uh, some some illness, the Reyes virus, as I called it on Twitter. Not necessarily what I had, but uh, I'm glad we finally get to catch up. Yeah, no, it's been a while. Um, lots happening in both parts of our Venn diagram, so uh, that's, that's always good. It's been quite a while. Uh, let's start with the first thing we missed. We we this has been so long. We haven't even talked about Star Wars Resistance, the new animated series that's coming out with some really cool cast people, and uh, again, looks like another winner from the animation group. Yeah, I'm excited to see this one. I, I um, plus I'm just a pilot junkie, so you know, pilots doing cool stuff. So, yeah, sign me up. Very excited to see what they come up with. Uh, I, I find uh, the one casting that's catching my eye is Jim Rash, who I love as the Dean on Community. And I'm just trying to imagine how the Dean fits into this universe. I imagine Mr. Rash can do things other than the Dean voice and Dean character. But in my head here in the early days, it's kind of like, wait, what? The Dean? But maybe he could lean in on that, and that could just be the character. Yeah, well, you know, this it, it has always been thus. I'm sure there were people incredibly startled by Billy D. Williams, like, wait, the guy from Lady Sings the Blues in Star Wars? And, um, you know, Frank Oz had to, uh, had to raise some eyebrows, but, uh, um, yeah, we, we go on and Star Wars gets bigger and bigger, which is great. Yeah, uh, looks like this one takes place right before The Force Awakens, if I'm understanding that correctly. Uh, yeah, I didn't follow that. Exactly, but it sounds like it's resistance in first order, so it's got to be right in there somewhere. Very cool. Um, then we missed John Favreau's Star Wars series will be set between Jedi and uh, I guess the third trilogy, we'll call it. Um, also really cool, and that's the live-action thing that we've heard about for, I don't know, it feels like a decade, but wow, live-action Star Wars. Yeah, and in an interesting uh, time period that, fans had really been clamoring to hear more about. But, you know, this gets me to something, actually, about fandom and patience, which, look, is a lesson I could stand to learn myself. Like, you know, with The Force Awakens, everybody was, you know, there was this clamor, like, to know everything that had happened between uh, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens in New Canon. And, you know, which was a lot, it was like 30 years. And you know, I mean, fans, some fans were, like, actually upset there wasn't, like, one chapter in a book or one document that just laid it all out. Like, you know, boom, here's everything that happened. Um, and, you know, what Lucasfilm consistently said, um, very patiently in response to many entreaties, um, was, you know, we'll be the, the way to figure that out is to explore it in the storytelling. I mean, which is by far the better way. Like, you, it, this happens all the time. You think you want, like, that five-page um, explanation, or you think you want that one giant uh, Wikipedia article. Um, <laughs> but you'd be, you know, you'd mine it for, like, an hour, and everybody would fight about it on Twitter, and that would be it. I mean, this is just, this is the much better way to do this. 
is actually explored through characters and uh, world building and the service of storytelling and everything else. And, you know, it was obvious they would always get to that in one form or another. And, you know, here's an example. So, you know, patience as in all things is a virtue. And I mean, look, once again, like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I wanted those answers too. I was certainly kind of, um, you know, part of the clamor, if only in my head. But now we get to uh, explore some of that stuff, and that sounds awesome. Yeah, totally. I found myself, as I was drifting off to sleep last night, thinking about the whole if you live long enough thing. Uh, I was thinking about Mark Hamill and how, wow, he got to revisit Luke Skywalker 30 years later. And if we dig deep enough, there were articles around 1980 when we were talking about there being nine films. And I, I was just bringing myself back to being 10 or 11 years old and thinking, wow, there's going to be nine Star Wars movies and they seem to come out every three years and I'm going to be like 32 when the last one comes out. <laughs> uh, and in one of those articles, I think Hamill floated whether he believed it at the time or not, or it was conceptually true or not at the time. But I think in one of those, you know, 1980 something articles, Hamill even said like, George has this idea that I'll come back in 30 years and play Luke Skywalker again. And, you know, some version of that did happen. And it's just truly amazing that, um, you know, barring a personal catastrophe, I'll go up to the DVD shelf in a few years and all nine movies will be sitting there with some other stuff on the side. Yeah. No, and I mean, you know, Hamill has been, I mean, he's always been this really interesting, gracious, funny uh, guy, but he, uh, he, he has, he has, God, how to phrase this. He has, um, he's slightly ahead of both of us in age, but I think close enough to us that, you know, we can kind of, you know, see the landmarks on the road where he already is. If that's, yep. if, if you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, the grace with the grace and humor with which he has handled, like, you know, his, his own path as an older actor, but also the path of his character. Um, you know, as an older person has been really um, amazing to see. And yeah, I mean, God, I couldn't even think that far ahead in, in 1983. And, you know, if you told me like, oh, you know, we won't see Luke Skywalker in the form of Mark Hamill for this long, I would have, you know, wailed and gnashed my teeth. But, you know, the journey is really kind of, is really pretty remarkable. And, um, you know, it's, hey, it's it's another excuse also to praise like how, fantastic he was in The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. Just giving a, a really, really rich performance that certainly, you know, whether you agree with the storytelling or not, um, you know, he just kind of radiated that a lot had happened to this character uh, between the times, between then and the time we'd seen him before. Um, you know, even if we didn't have every um, I and T dotted and crossed uh, along the way. And I don't know, it was just such a great performance. I was, I was, watching, uh, I was watching the DVD the other day and admiring it all over again. Yeah, no, it, it's such a great film. I know there are those who don't love it as much as we do, but I, I really love it. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, even, even people who didn't love it, I mean, I'm yet to write someone who's like, you know, I didn't like I didn't like the story, and Mark Hamill was terrible. <laughs> like, you know, it's the one thing that <laughs> I think everybody could agree on that Mark Hamill was superb, whether or not you agreed with <laughs> with the with the, uh, 
the storytelling and the character. And I hear the novelization is really good. Yeah, it's by some hack. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Talking about, like, time passing, uh, nothing to do with Star Wars. I, I was walking down the street, and I saw a car inspection sticker, and the inspection sticker said 23. And I really felt like I had time traveled into the future. You and I are of a certain age where science fiction took place in 1999, or maybe it took place, um, you know, maybe Blade Runner took place in 2018 or 2019. Oh, yeah, the, the moon base was, the moon base that was set up in 1979. That was always like a, a you know, a starting point for everything. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, and, and just like, oh, yeah, you know, my, this car inspection expires in 2023 because that's what year it's going to be soon. It's just to me like, wow, what happened? Yes. Yet that car doesn't fly, which is kind of annoying. But pretty soon it will drive itself, so that's something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so a common theme on the podcast is, hey, Jason, we're you know a good 10, 15 minutes in, and we've been talking about Star Wars, and we haven't even mentioned there's a Star Wars movie coming out next week. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, I had like like all these people I, I know professionally and are friends with through uh, Star Wars stuff were at the premiere, and I had such a case of FOMO. It was just killing me. I usually think I'm, like, cooler than that, but I was like, oh, my God, I want to be there. Look at everybody having fun. And uh, I was very whiny about it for, like, a night. Um, yeah, no, what a – I'm excited. I, I'm going to see it, actually, in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to um, – Oh, crap. It's not called Phoenix Comic Con. It's called something else. Ooh, I'm a bad guest. I'm going to be uninvited. Um, <laughs> hang on. We're going to do, we're going to do this right. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to see it uh, late next week. I am just a little excited. Um, Phoenix Comic Fest. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I'm going to be Phoenix Comic Fest, May 24th, May 27th which is when Solo comes out, which is awesome. So very excited. But, um, yeah, you know, it's gotten some, it's gotten pretty good reviews overall, which is interesting. And I'm just, uh, I'm really fired up to be able to actually see it and dig into it. Yeah, it's good. I haven't gotten my tickets yet. I just, uh, again, I've been sick most of the month. I just haven't put my head down and actually bought them. But uh, I'm well, guessing Alamo they're doing the house. I always go on with Alamo Draft House, which is now, because I'm old and cranky, like the only way I will see movies because of the assigned seating and the illusion that if people are bad, they will throw them out and possibly beat them, which is what I really want. Um, but yeah, for some reason, they're only selling tickets through the end of May, and my kid's coming home then, and, and plus I want my solo glass because I'm a dork. But oh, come on, cool. Alamo, where's my, where's my June 1st ticket? <laughs> well, I've done a good job, um, again, with half a week to go. Uh, this is the fourth straight Star Wars movie in this century where I've so far avoided spoilers. I saw all the, you know, allegedly non-spoilery reviews, and I just chose not to read them. Uh, and I'm hoping I can make it another couple of days and just walk into the theater and experience the film on my own, and then I'll read everything there is about it. Cool. Good idea. Um, there was fun earlier in the week where uh, Kathleen Kennedy spoke to some French reporters and 
translation, translation, website, telephone game. But for five minutes, we were absolutely, definitely, positively getting a Lando movie. And maybe now we're just someday might get a Lando movie because there's lots of cool Lando stories to be told. But for five minutes there, we were getting one. Yeah, and, you know, until that was correct, corrected, everybody got a lot of clicks. I'm, I'm just so <laughs> over it. I'm so over it. <laughs> Um, and the Obi-Wan movie rumors continue to float around, but who knows? Again, they could make the, I I, I don't know what, IG-88 movie, and you and I are going to go see it, right? So make them all. (laughs) Well, yeah. I I don't think I'd be quite as fired up for the IG-88 movie, but I'd I'd have an open mind. Um, Who would be the voice of IG-88? John Hamm. I don't know. That's just who came to mind. (laughs) Danny DeVito. (laughs) Wow. Um, And then the final Star Wars item I have, I got from your timeline, and I was super excited, and then I actually read the tweet. But for a second, I I thought Star Wars Celebration was going to be in Anchorage, Alaska, and I was (laughs) making plans to go because I was like, oh, wow, that's just like an awesome excuse to go to Anchorage. I've always wanted to go there, and that'll be cool. And I guess it makes sense because people from Asia can come over, and then I read the rest of the tweet. And it's not in Anchorage. It's in Chicago. Yeah, no, which is great. I mean, it's April. It'd be a little chilly, but I mean, Chicago is an awesome town, and, you know, there's some geographic fairness going on there. I mean, whether it's Anaheim or Orlando, like Star Wars fans in the Midwest who are a legion, you know, we're having to fly to some coast. So, you know, this time to spread it around, make the, uh, make the travel arrangements easier on, on each group of people. No, yeah, I'm fired up. So it's going to be great. And it's, there's an extra day, which is awesome. Oh, I didn't catch that. Really? Yeah. yeah five days. Oh, wow. Wow. Chicago is a great town. Um, I might have to appear at this one. Yeah, no, you really, it's Chicago. So funny. I had been to Chicago like four times in my life, but always in the dead of winter and was like, I don't even get why people live here. This place is nice. And then finally got to go in the summer and was like, wow, this is one of the world's great cities. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited though. I'm going to be actually in Chicago in August with my lovely wife. Um, was we were booking another ballpark tour um, after a, a one-year layoff. So this order doesn't make sense, but bear with me. We did Cleveland, uh, Detroit, and then Pittsburgh because that was you know that was when teams were playing. We didn't have a choice, um, sure. and it was super super fun. And it also this seemed like a good thing, but actually kind of wasn't. It got my list of ballparks visited to 23 out of 30. Um, the thing is like 18 or 19, you feel kind of good about yourself, but it's not like a thing. But when you get to like 23, like the other seven become like this burning need to complete. But anyway, that's that's really more about me and my maladies than anything else. So this year we're doing a a big tour. I'm going to fly to Minneapolis and catch twins game. Then I'm going to meet Emily in Milwaukee we're going to go to a Brewers game, and we're going to go down to Chicago and do uh, Cubs, uh, where I've been to Regan Field, but she has not, and White Sox. Um, the whole trip was dependent on like when those teams were playing. It's kind of like Mets Yankees when they were in town at the same time, and we could go to um, go to games one after the other. 
And then yep. she's going to fly home, and I'm going to do some genealogy dorkery and go to Cincinnati. And uh, that'll be it. I'm really, really fired up. It'll also, in addition to getting to see baseball and, you know, have fun and be out in the world, it'll, it'll get me to 27, which is not bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, ballpark. Leaving what? Uh, leaving Miami, uh, New Atlanta, and, and, and here's the, the annoying one, and the Rangers, who, of course, are about to tear down their park and build a new park. So I might just wait for them to do the new park and then cap it off like that. I can't believe they're getting rid of that park. I, I, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's just our age. But this whole idea of these ballparks that seem brand new to you and I going away already is just crazy. Uh, it's, it's, yes. <laughs> yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> At least they put baseball in them. That's the only saving grace. Uh, but, but meanwhile, hey, every baseball fan ever, um, name your two favorite baseball stadiums, right? <laughs> and everyone <laughs> will name the same two when they're both 100 years old. No, that's true. That's true. I, I thought you were going to ask me for mine, because my answer is like surprise to people. Um, oh, I'd love to hear it. It's actually Comerica Park. Uh, really? The Detroit Tigers. Yes. Um, now, fairness, I have not been to Target Field, though I will have gone in August, which I've heard is a wonderful, wonderful park, and I'm very, very excited to see it. Um, and, you know, if I was... You know, if if I was, um, you know, writing some triumphant my tours is concluded article about the best ballparks, which I will happily do for anyone who's listening. Um, you know, I would certainly go back to um, the Giants, the Pirates, uh, maybe the Twins, which I see that one, and Comerica, and like check things out again. But I just loved. I mean, you, have you been to Comerica? I have not. Oh, it's well worth it. And Detroit is is really. Detroit is really pretty cool. Um, you, Comerica, you, you roll up like the, uh, you know, the corners of the pillars of the ballpark have like tigers carved in them and like baseballs with tiger claws clasping them. And they're big tigers with like emerald eyes outside. And it's, and the inside is just, it's like a kid's treehouse full of tiger stuff. Like everywhere you look, there's a history lesson about the tigers. There's, Tigers doing cool stuff. There's a tiger carousel. I mean, it is just phenomenal. And what really got me is you know, Emily and I were there. Actually, we were there at like noon because we were strolling around, and the game was at night. And we stopped in at like one of the little kind of satellite bars that's open to uh, the outside world. But then also, you can, you know, if you have a ticket, you can go back and forth. Something incredibly simple that the Mets can't do, I will note. Um, <laughs> and we went in there, and they had, like, you know, it, the chairs all had, all were decorated, like, different versions of the Tiger D. And there was, like, an exhibit in the bar about the parks the Tigers had played in and just uh, just stuff like that. Like, every, like, foot of the stadium, um, I mean, it's brand new, it's beautiful, uh, the customer service folks are nice, et cetera. But every inch of the stadium is like tiger's lore and just luxuriating. Oh, cool. And, oh, it's great. It's a wonderful, wonderful park. I highly recommend it. Even though we went and saw the Mets play a feeble game that they lost. But <laughs> you can't do anything about that. 
Cool. Um, you know, for me, I, I love Boston. Uh, I love Wrigley. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants Park, whatever it's called this week, um, is a great one. I'm the weirdo that likes Arizona a lot, and I'm <laughs> wow. that one. I really like that park. I'm sorry. I, I think okay. it's cool. Um, and, and all stadiums should have a dome in the 21st century. You're all insane if you don't. Um, I also like the Philadelphia park a lot as a version of what city field could have been um, if done a little better. I think it's a little better than city field. I was supposed to. I, it's funny you say that. I went to Citizens Bank a couple years before City Field opened, and it was the one that really woke me up to what we could have. Um, and I was supposed to go last weekend, but the game wound up being rained out. So I was super bummed. Uh, yeah, I was very curious to see how it um, how it matched up with that long ago memory. But you know, that one's easy enough. I can I can knock that one off fairly simply. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Cincinnati. We we haven't spoken in a while. The Dark Knights has moved on. Thoughts? Uh, you know, it's look. I mean, Matt, Matt Harvey never did himself any favors. I mean, he was kind of a jerk. He was um, he was kind of aiming the gun at his own feet a lot of the time, et cetera. Um, but you know, he I mean, he had Tommy John surgery. He had thoracic outlet. Um, which there is still no pitcher who has ever really successfully came come back from. Um, you know, if he he could have been out at 4 a.m. and looking uncomfortable in the locker room, and if he had not had thoracic outlet, even if he just had Tommy John, which is a hell of a thing to say, you know, we would have gladly put up with all of that. Um, it's just it's it's a terrible shame. It's a reminder that pitching is inherently dangerous, and you know appreciate appreciate these young, amazing pitchers while you can, because in the vast majority of cases, like something terrible happening to them is not an if; it's a when. But you know, just try to try to forget you know some of the stuff we all know about, and just remember. I mean, remember the Harvey's better game. Um, remember the time when he could just, you know, he could throw a fastball 97 and then followed up with just an evil curveball and do whatever he wanted. And, um, you know, remember that incredible World Series game and him coming off in the eighth, like barking at the world with the entire city and fan base on his back, glad to have him. And then, you know, just try to pretend he didn't go back out for the night. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, what did. Time is a healer, and in time, I hope we will remember, um, you know, those moments and try to put aside uh, some of the others. Yeah, I think he never really did himself any favors. The whole thing with showing up in the party in L.A., again, it's optics. I had said on the blog, if Todd Frazier had done that, it probably is fine because Todd Frazier doesn't have any sort of... I don't know, fandom annoyed at him. It, it just, you know, David Wright totally could have skipped out to a party in another city for three hours and showed up for the game and nobody cares. But, you know, when you're, when you've got a 70 RA and everyone's looking in your direction, you just, you can't do that. And I'm wondering who in his life is advising him. Did some publicist invite him? Is he on the secret email list for cool parties? Like who told him to do that? And he needs to 
wonder if that person should be in his life. There was a thing the other day with Keith Hernandez suggesting even Scott Boris is like, yeah, he won't listen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't know Matt Harvey. Um, I strongly suspect the person there he needs to not listen to is Matt Harvey. Um, you know, he's it's a shame, but I agree. I mean, yeah, he that was not a smart move, and for all the reasons you mentioned, and it's you know, it's a good chunk of the reason why he's in Cincinnati. I mean, the Mets would probably be better off with Harvey versus, say, Jason Vargas. There is at least kind of a theoretical ceiling for Harvey yet to be found that doesn't exist for Vargas. But, you know, they got tired of it. They got tired of it, and frankly, I think he was tired of it. And sometimes, you know, this this happens. Sometimes players... um, reach the point where I think everybody knows it might get fixed, but it's not going to get fixed here. Yeah. So I think with the book closed on that, we got one time through the rotation with the Fab Five. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, we got that one. Hey, where did we go in that one time? <laughs> That's the question. At least we got once. For yeah, one week, we the one. dream happened. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, uh, because it has been a while since we spoke, mostly because of uh, me being annoying. Um, you know, we used to talk about how the Mets are eleven and one, and you know, a great hot start allows a lot of sins in the future. And if they can just play five hundred from here, they're going to get X wins. And uh, here we are on a Friday in May, and they're one game above five hundred and have looked terrible. They've not won consecutive games since mid-April, um, which. Yeah, I mean, you want one thing that'll just you know, kill fan enthusiasm. Like, there it is, like the plot, the wheel spinning. Um, yeah, they look awful. Um, they look awful on the field. They look awful structurally in a way that was honestly kind of always true, but we were 11-1, and one, so who could complain? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing when I... You know, the, the the way I try to keep my sanity is it's still baseball. I mean, I watched that horrible game. Uh, on Wednesday, I thought it was a night game, and I was like, oh, God, it's that May. And I'm recapping. I'm like, rushed home and watched this terrible game that should have never been played with everyone standing around in the rain, and the Mets got pounded. And like an idiot, I watched the whole game because, you know, even when the Mets are terrible, and I'm happy about things like baseball is still better than no baseball. Um, so... You know, I watched all that, and, um, you know, the other thing I should keep in mind is, is, is yes. I mean, you know, there's, a, a, there's kind of a, a moderately okay plan being executed with not enough money, which is a long-winded way of saying a not very good plan. Um, <laughs> but when you come down to it, you know, the Mets still have, they have Noah Syndergaard, they have Jacob deGrom, they have when he's on the field and when they're smart enough to figure out how to keep him on the field, which they too often aren't, you know, in asbestos. And then you have, you know, a couple of really interesting, um, what ifs to maybes to probably in Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario. And, you know, the, the thing I think we, we can't forget, even as we are justifiably annoyed with the Mets is that, you know, they have that core of players that most, that a lot of teams would be like, 
yeah, that's our starting point. How long do we control those guys? Let's do this. And, you know, as long as you have that, you know, you can, I think you can fairly say, you know, what's the plan around that? Like we have that thing you cannot simply obtain through money. Um, what do we do around that? You know, it's when you, when that, it's when that, that kind of, um, that five turns into three or two that you're like, well, the hell with us. We got to go Astros Cubs. But until you're at that point, you know, you're, you, you're, you're at the point a lot of teams are trying to get to. And I think that's the thing we, we can't forget, even as we're increasingly irritated. Yeah, I like what's, I like the roster on paper. I like what they're running out there. I, I, I don't watch the TV, and with the exception of uh, the lineup that was handed in Wednesday, I don't do any sort of, why is that guy playing? Uh, there is a legitimate bench with, you know, people you can pop in there for a week, say Todd Frazier goes on the 10 day DL. And we've talked about in the past. So like, I, I don't hate what they handed in um, on a nightly basis. It's been frustrating as heck to watch. I don't know what to make of this team. It's, you know, I mean, it's the same thing they've done. I, I mean, here, here's the part, you know, I've tried to give a reassuring core answer there, but here's the unreassuring core answer. I mean, it's basically the same plan they've done for several years, which is, you know, you've got, you've got this small core um, that's really, really good in an enviable way. Um, now we're going to surround it with um, older complementary players, and we're going to hope everything gets right. You know, actually not all older, a mix of older veterans, um, a mix of kind of young lottery ticket guys, uh, et cetera, and hope everything goes right. And look, in 2015, it did, <laughs> you know, until the world Eventually. Series. But, yeah, but you can't control that part. I mean, you know, in, in 2015, it did work. In 2016, it almost worked. In 2017, it really didn't work. <laughs> in 2018, <laughs> looks more like the same. But, you know, I mean, unfortunately, with the ridiculous financial constraints and also just chronic mismanagement of everything, you know, that tragically seems to be the best plan that they can put out there. And there I got no, I got no comment. So final question from me. Uh, walk me through the Cespedes DL stint. I can't decide if it's same old Mets being stupid or, oh, wow, they actually came around and handled something the right way. I feel like it might be the latter with the twinge of, yeah, they did it the right way, but could have done it three days earlier. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, you know, it, it's good that you didn't start fires this week, little Johnny progress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. They didn't wait for him to blow out um, the quad or the hip or whatever the hell it is this time. They didn't wait for that moment, but they still let him hobble around and let balls drop in and make everybody go, "Oh my God!" As he, you know, accelerated rounding first for what three days, four days, whatever it was. Yeah, you know, as if as if none of this had happened before. And, oh, it was just, so, yeah, better, but still fundamentally crazy. Like, the minute he <laughs> came up lame, they should have been like, you're going for an MRI. Let's see how you are tomorrow. You're not better. Okay, you're going on the 10-day deal. Done. Like, oh, 
we've all seen this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, better, but still insane. Like, just what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? I, I'm, and, I'm, Poe's, I'm Poe's foot going through the ski speeder. What the hell? I, it's, ugh, it makes me crazy. And there's a 10-day DL now, too. So it's not like the olden days where you <sighs> felt like a player was gone forever. I feel like the 10 goes pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I mean, they, uh, they did do it right with Todd Frazier, at least. But yeah. I don't know. Is that because you really need Cespedes so much more? Well, okay. If that's the case, then you really can't afford to lose Cespedes for two and a half months. Like has happened before. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Um, Hey, I'm looking at the schedule. Let me put a, 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 a surprisingly big series on your radar um, after this weekend's Arizona series Miami comes to town and normally you'd be like oh those jerks who cares they have four fewer wins than the Mets the loss column's a little different but they've won four fewer games uh you know if, if the Mets hand in some quality Mets baseball and have a rotten weekend we could be looking at all kinds of standings fun by early next week oh yeah yeah there's the battle royale <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sad. But hey, look, there's still baseball. Still God baseball. Bless. Even and with all its foolishness, there's still there's baseball. And a Star Wars movie this week. And yeah. uh, I think that's a good note to get out on. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you're feeling better. Um, hope you catch it soon. <laughs> <laughs>